chapter 17 and verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I'll show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. Chapter 17 and 18 in particular use such apocalyptic literature, such a, a, a symbolism, that it takes some extra work to, to identify who's who to understand what's happening. So let's break this down and go slowly. One of those seven angels, you remember there are seven angels pouring out the seven bowls. One of them, and it doesn't matter who he is or which one he is, he says to John, come. Now John has heard that invitation before two or three times now in Revelation. He has heard the invitation come. And it, it, is, it is always into this... Um, kind of ecstatic state. It, it's, it's into a, a, a spiritual vision. So the invitation is kind of come out of your real world there on the island of Patmos and let me show you another vision of the spirit realm. Come and I'll show you the judgment of the great prostitute. So God is going to judge this one called the great prostitute. And just for, uh, just for clarity so that we can move kind of quickly, let me tell you the great prostitute is this false religion. It is the false religion that um, the Antichrist has been benefiting from. Um, the false prophet has used this false religion to unite the whole world so that they can um, follow Antichrist. But what we're going to discover is that this false religion has actually been around for a very long time. And we'll get into that as we go. I'll show you the judgment of the great prostitute, the false religion, who is seated on many waters. Now, I would explain that, the, the waters to you, but the angel's going to explain it to us in a minute, and he can do better than I can. So hang on, and we'll let him do that, okay? With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. She's a prostitute. And so the kings of the world now have committed sexual immorality, they have, they have gone to the prostitute. In other words, the governments of the world now have a connection to false religion that has covered the world. So you've got, you've got state and religion connected again, and it's happened all over the world by this time. But it's important that we recognize that this is a prostitute. The, re, the, the significance there is the church is called the bride of Christ. In uh, chapter 12 of Revelation, we're introduced to a woman. 
And as we looked through chapter 12, we came to understand that the woman represents God's people. I think that is the church. So there is a woman that represents God's people. The church then is the bride of Christ. That's a real relationship, a committed relationship. What is prostitution other than a fake relationship? You're paying for a false relationship. And so that is what this false religion offers people, a fake relationship. To the kings of the world, if you will give me your power, give me your resources, then we can have a fake relationship that will make you feel good. That's how the false religion works. That's why the false religion is referred to as the great prostitute. And it says that the uh, kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with the, the, false, uh, with the, the uh, great prostitute. The, the last part of that verse then says, And with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. Dwellers on earth in Revelation always refers to the unbelievers, those whose names are not in the Lamb's book of life. And this says that they have become drunk with the experience, the power that they feel in this false uh, relationship. That, that people all over the world now are worshiping the Antichrist, following the false prophet, pleasing Satan. This all takes place in this false religion that is supported by what has now become a universal government. All right? Scary, weird, weird times for sure. Verse 3, he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. So, so the, the, the vision changes scenes. And, and he's carried away into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. It had seven heads and ten horns. You remember we've seen this beast before. Who is the beast that has seven heads and ten horns? You remember? It is the Antichrist. Yes. The Antichrist is that beast who has seven heads and ten horns. And we spent a good bit of time looking at what that what that image means. The seven heads refers to, and, and uh, uh, Robert, you're not far off when you say Rome, because the, the, the seven heads of this Antichrist beast refers to these seven world powers over time. These seven world powers over time. They had two things in common. One, they were the most powerful nation in the world in their time. And two, they took a, a um, clear stand against God and his people. They worshiped idols. They, they, uh, were therefore a, they were therefore false religions. They were... Uh, the most powerful nation in their time. So those two criteria, 
make this list. The reason I say that is you look back over history, you can think of some other nations that were world powers. You know, you might think of China, for example. But that's only one of the criteria. China doesn't meet the other criteria, which is that they took a direct stand against God and his people. All right? You can think of other into other nations or groups that were idolatrous, but they never were a world power. So these are the world powers who took a direct stand against God and his people. Started in Egypt, then Assyria. You remember Assyria um, attacked and took the, uh, the, the, the ten tribes of Israel. Babylon then took the two tribes that were the southern kingdoms. Medo-Persia Medo is the kingdom that was around during the time of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and those dudes and, and Esther and uh, the Babylon, Babylonian period just kind of morphed into Medo-Persia period and all that. These are the, it was during this time that um, uh, Cyrus finally said, you guys can go back home now and all that stuff, all right? Then, there, then Greece and Rome. Um, so there, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, and this is going to be important in a minute. There are six. The seventh world power that will take a stand against God and his people is this universal government led by the Antichrist. All right, so he's got seven heads, seven powers, if you will. Then it talks about ten crowns or ten... Uh, what is it? Ten horns. I'm sorry. Ten horns. Uh, horn is always representative of power. The ten horns are the ten uh, governments, nations, if you will, that come together in the end to form this universal government. Under the Antichrist, they are, there are ten major countries in the world, and they come together to create this universal government, all right? So remember, the Antichrist is in power because he is the culmination of this anti-God world power movement that has been happening throughout history. He is also in power because there are 10 governments who came together to create a universal government. So this woman is sitting on that beast, on the Antichrist. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And there at the end, we discover that this woman he's seeing is the great prostitute that was already referred to. He's seeing a vision of the great prostitute. Um, people in, women in um, John's time and, and actually uh, any of the biblical times, um, women would have dressed modestly unless they were the kind of women who were trying to attract attention to sell themselves. 
And so here she's wearing red and purple and gold and pearls and all this stuff. And so that tells us that, that she, she's wearing the garb of a prostitute. But it also tells us that this false religion is very wealthy because those are the colors that um, only the rich people could have, Go, uh, uh, scarlet and purple. Only rich people could afford those kind of uh, clothes because that was the most expensive dye. By the way, you know, uh, you know why here in, in the U.S. most barns were painted red? Yeah, red barns. Back when everybody had a red barn. You know why that, that was the most? Because it was the cheapest paint. Now, this is exactly the opposite. They're, the dye that made things red and purple was the most expensive, so only the rich people could have it. All right? So what that tells us is this prostitute, this false religion, is very wealthy. People all over the world are throwing money into this thing. Okay? And the false prophet is certainly enjoying the benefits of that, and the Antichrist is in charge of all of that, receiving, basically receiving all of that uh, for himself. So he sees this woman, and she is, now it's important that we notice that the woman is sitting on the beast. So the false religion is supported by the Antichrist. The false religion is sitting on Antichrist. So this, this false religion that we're going to find out in a minute has been a part of uh, history, part of man's history from the beginning, uh, is, and comes to a culmination at the end of time, and it is the Antichrist himself who supports this false religion. Verse 5, on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, on her forehead is written, Mystery Babylon. Mystery, by the way, for us. Uh, you, anybody remember Ellery Queen? the TV show and books really before the TV show. They're mysteries. And you'd watch the mystery all the way through or read the book. And at the end, Ellery Queen would come out and say, now we've shown you all of the clues that you need. Do you know who did it? After this commercial, we'll tell you, you know. And then they'd come back and reveal the mystery. In in particularly in Greek, in the Bible when we see the word mystery, it's not quite the way you and I think of it in like Ellery Queen, like, like uh, trying to solve a puzzle. When we see the word mystery in Scripture, it is here, here is something that to this point has not been revealed, but we're going to show it to you now. All right, it's different than when we think of mystery, we think there's a puzzle that I have to solve. In Scripture, it's almost like saying, here is the solution. It has been a question, but we're going to reveal it. The word mystery means the revelation of this question. 
And so here it says on her forehead, Mystery Babylon. In other words, we're going to explain to you now this, this idea of Babylon. Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. This false religion earns the name Babylon. Some believe that's because it, it will be housed in the town of, or the city of Babylon. I don't. Um, I think that when it, when it earns the name Babylon, it does so because of what it stands for. If you go all the way back, almost to the beginning, all the way back in Genesis, Adam and Eve are there. They have kids. Everybody messes up. So God brings the flood, right? After the flood, there's Noah, his kids, their kids. And it is about that generation, maybe one more, that the people on the earth get together and they say, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to wind up being spread all over the world. So let's work together and let's build us this big monument, the Tower of Babel. Now, remember that after the flood, uh, God told Noah and his descendants in chapter 9, verse 1, Genesis 9, 1, he told them, go forth and multiply and spread throughout the earth. That was his instruction to Noah's descendants. But by the time we get to chapter 11 and verse 4, those very same descendants now are saying, hey, if we're not careful, we're going to get spread throughout the world. Well, that's what God told them to do. So they are actively defying God's plan. And they say, instead of doing that, let's stick together and let's build us this big monument. And they build a tower reaching to heaven. Well, God looks down and he says, you guys can't get to heaven on your own. You can't form this anti-God defiant religion. So therefore, all of a sudden, you speak German, and you speak Chinese, and you speak Korean, and you speak Spanish, and you speak Czech, and you speak redneck. Now go. He split them up and sent them out on purpose. It is not a mistake that where that took place, the Tower of Babel, was the same place that became Babylon, the place, the center of false religion, religions in which men say, let's get together, defy God, and do things our way. And that has shown up over and over and over throughout man's history. Egypt led in, in that kind of thinking. Assyria led in that kind of thinking. Babylon was the height of that kind of thinking when, they, when uh, 
their capital wound up being back at that ancient, that same place, that ancient place we just described, Medo-Persia, Greece, and certainly Rome. We can do this without him. We can do this without it. We can defy him and do our own thing our way. And we can even reach the whole world with this concept, this idea. So in the end, this false religion will be the culmination of this same problem that has shown up over and over and over throughout man's history. The false religion will be the same thing that drove all of these, that drove Babylon itself, the idea that we can, we can get everybody together, defy God, and do things our way. So you see what it means then that the, um, in verse 5, Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes. It is, it is Babylon is that false religion that gave birth to all of the anti-God, idolatrous religions and kingdoms throughout history. So a prostitute who is a mother of prostitutes. False religion that led to all false religions. And in verse 6, it says, The woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Throughout history, God's people have been, and you can look at these countries in particular and review your history and see how God's people have been persecuted and killed in these areas especially because of the false religions that ruled in these, in these times and in these places. And so the, uh, this, this false religion, Babylon, the woman is drunk with the blood of saints and martyrs. And so John says, when I saw her, I marveled greatly. And this is not a marvel of respect like, wow, this is a marvel of what the heck is that? What is happening? But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit to go to destruction. Well, that clarified it. You remember all the way back in the, uh, at the beginning of Revelation, uh, would have wound up being in chapter 4, I guess. Um, we're introduced to the Lamb as the one who was and is and is to come. That phrase is also used of God the Father, the one who was, who is, who is to come. Remember the Antichrist is a counterfeit Christ. He's a fake Christ. He takes the truth and twists it all around. All right? So if the Lamb, Jesus, is the one who was, who is, who is to come, he was, he walked on earth, he is presently with us and, and in heaven. He is to come. He's going to come back. All right? If that describes him, then the one, the, the one who is the anti-that is described 
as uh, was, is not, and is about to rise. You remember that Jesus died on the cross, came back to life. His resurrection became the power that drove the birth of the church. People were able to say, look, he came back to life, so he's real, right? The Antichrist is going to fake something very similar when he comes. When he comes, he will apparently die and apparently come back to life. He fakes everything that, that he does. And so if you look at the description, he was, the Antichrist will have been here, is not, he's going to fake his own death, and so he will disappear, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit. In other words, the bottomless pit is the, the, the realm of the demons, so he, he will apparently rise back. It's a picture of the fake death and resurrection of the Antichrist. And so John sees the vision of the woman who is supported by the beast. The beast is the Antichrist, the one who was, who is not, who is about to rise. And continuing then in verse 8, the dwellers on earth, remember that always refers to the non-believers, those who are rejecting God. The dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. One of the ways that he's going to get people to follow him is this fake death and resurrection. And everybody's going to say, wow, look at that. That's amazing. And they will follow him. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Now, remember, this is, this is uh, apocalyptic, everything symbolic. This is a vision for John. So don't get hung up on seven physical mountains. Mountains are representative of nations. And so we've already looked at the seven nations that are represented in the Antichrist. Um, to make sure that we don't get confused, in verse 10, he goes ahead and clarifies that for us. They are also seven kings, nations, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. Five have fallen. One, two, three, four, five. One is, John is writing during the time of Rome's power, and one who is to come. Antichrist will be that seventh uh, world power that stands against God. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Um, just for my own clarity, let's start at 10 again. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. 
when he does come, he must remain only a little while. And many of us believe that that is three and a half years. He doesn't stay here long. Verse 11, as for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. All right. One, two, three, four, five that were, one is and one is to come. He would be the number seven. But remember, he fakes his death and then he comes back to power again. So he is not only number seven, he's also number eight. All right? Isn't this fun? Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, and so in verse 11, it says, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven. He is the seventh, but when he apparently dies and then comes back to power the second time, he is the eighth. Verse 12, and the ten horns that you saw are the ten kings who have not received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. Now, at the time of John's vision, John's writing, these ten nations that are going to make up the universal government have not yet even necessarily come to power. So all the way back when John is on the Isle of Patmos, he can't figure out who the ten are. The angel's saying, you know, they may not even be in power yet. We don't, we don't know who they are, who they will be. But when those ten come together and they work with the Antichrist, they will only be in power for a very short time. It says an hour. Again, don't take that particularly literally. It just means a very short time. I'm even going to suggest to you that the, uh, the, actual, um, the actual joining of all of those people with the Antichrist in, a, in, in the, the physical place may even be less than an hour because when all of the uh, nations come together and they meet at the Battle of Armageddon, that battle is not a three or four year long drawn out thing. That battle is like that. Jesus returns, his mighty sword wipes them all out, the place fills with their blood and it's done. So that's what it means when it says an hour. It's, it's, don't, I don't know if that's 60 minutes, it's, it may be more hours, it may be, but the point is it's very short. When you get all of those 10 governments together in one place, so that now they've made, not, they're not only a universal government, now they're actually in one place on this side of the Euphrates. And the Antichrist is there with them. The Battle of Armageddon is over in a second. 13, these are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. This is the thing, when they, the, 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 the ten governments get together and they form this universal government and they give their power to the Antichrist. The Antichrist now, in, in the, the last 
sometime during the last three and a half years of the tribulation, he is not only the religious leader of the whole world with the false religion, he is also the political leader of the whole world with the universal government. You got the false prophet who's organizing the false religion to point everybody to the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the religious and political leader of the entire world because the one world government gave their power to him. They will make war on the lamb. Now this is what I've been what I've been trying to get to the battle of Armageddon. They will make war on the lamb and the land will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. He, uh, he was supposed to explain the prostitute and the beast that she was riding on. Well, he got so caught up in explaining the beast that he didn't tell us anything about the prostitute. So now he's going to back up and clarify more about the prostitute, which is false religion. Her name is Babylon because that is the religion of humanity. All right? Um, and when we first saw her back at the beginning of the chapter, it said that, there were, that she sat on these, uh, these waters. And now he says those waters represent people. So she is going to be a religion of the entire world. People from all nations will believe this basic humanity, uh, uh, human-based religion that we can defy God and do things our way. The ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. Now this, this is interesting. The ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. So what happens? This gets fun, y'all, I'm telling you. The false religion has everyone in the world except the few true believers. She has everyone in the world following her, thinking we can do things our way and come together and be ourselves without God. The universal government led by the Antichrist, the universal government uses the false religion to bring everyone in the world together. Once that universal government has everyone in the world together on their side because of the false religion, then that government turns against the false religion. Now that we've got everybody together, religion, give us all of your money, give us all of your power, and that false religion falls apart. By the way, to a degree, that always happens when church and state try to marry. It's one of the reasons that our heritage as Baptists is to always separate church and state. But that's another topic. 
What's interesting is the universal government led by the Antichrist turns against that false religion that it used to unite everybody together. And now it can take all that money and all the resources. But what's really interesting to me is look at the next part. Not only does it make her desolate and naked, in other words, it takes, it, it takes her resources, devours her flesh and burns her up so the false religion is completely destroyed. But look, for God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast. God uses the evil powers for his purposes. You see that? From the beginning, this false religion has been against God. From the day of the Tower of Babel all the way through until the future time of the Antichrist, this, this false religion has been encouraging the people of the world to stand against God. Now, in the culmination of time, God is going to use the evil powers at work for his own purposes to finally stamp out that false religion. And I'm just fascinated by the idea of holy God using evil people to accomplish his purposes. It speaks of his sovereignty. He is even Lord over the evil ones. He is in charge from beginning to end. So does this start the Great Tribulation? This ends the Great Tribulation. Yes. Yeah, we've already been through the, the Tribulation. Um, this is toward the very end of it. The last three and a half years, the Antichrist reigns politically. The false prophet is the religious leader. They have formed the false religion and universal government. Now toward the very end of the tribulation, it all falls apart because the, government, the, uh, the universal government turns against the false religion, takes all their stuff, and, and destroys them. But God wanted them to do it that way. Uh, the last part of 17... Oh, and, and remember that, that the reason, the way this worked is because the middle part of 17, they were being of one mind. All these people came together of one mind, and that's exactly what happened at the Tower of Babel. Let's come together in one mind. So it is that common thinking that, that, that uh, uh, causes mankind to turn against God. So they come together of one mind. God uses that to uh, get them then to destroy the false religion. And the last part of 17, handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So the, the, whoever it is that, that reigns over the 10 major governments, give that power to the beast. So now the beast, the Antichrist, is the ruler over the entire universal government because they gave it all over to him. Verse 18, And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. The great city, uh, Babylon. And we've gone into that, I think, pretty clearly throughout. 
this evening. Uh, so some remarkable imagery there uh, in, in, this, in this very interesting chapter. Um, the quick summary of that chapter is that the false religion is Babylon, which uh, says we can come together, do things our way, defy God. And uh, because of that thinking, the Antichrist will be able to create a, a universal government. People all over the world will give him all the power. And when he gets all the power, he'll wipe out that false religion, leaving only the, the uh, universal government. Why would he do that? Because he wants to be worshipped himself. False religion is... Uh, Babylonian thinking is what can we do for ourselves? He uses that against all of humanity because he now will force them to worship him and him alone. So the false religion is done away with. Universal government is left. And that is next week. Next week we'll figure it. We'll find out how the universal government gets defeated. And once the universal government gets defeated, there is no more global economy. So all of these are done in chapters 17 and 18. And then in, chapters 19, in chapter 19, the unholy trinity is completely wiped out. Let me leave you with Isaiah 42 and 8. Seems particularly appropriate tonight to remind you of Isaiah 42 and 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. God says, I am in charge, and I'm not going to let you get by with worshiping anybody else. 